Man, let's go before the Lord in prayer one more time. Father, what a relief it is to be in Jesus. Because I'm in you, I don't have to worry about no shame. Don't have to worry about the judgment of people. I don't have to worry about how to navigate myself through this life. Because like the pillar of cloud and pillar of smoke in the book of Exodus, you lead me. You are my navigator. On the cross it says you took the shame for me. I don't have to fear anybody anymore. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me, the scripture said. I don't want to vie for anybody's approval because I'm accepted in Christ with you. I don't have to tire myself out trying to earn somebody's love, and in particular, Lord, yours, because you freely dispensed it to me through the person of Jesus. It's a relief to be in Jesus. I'm free. And I praise God for the freedom we have in you. Father, I pray that this morning you will be glorified. That the people of God would hear the truth of the word of God and be moved to change the world with the power of the spirit within them. Starting with their immediate families and their friends of close proximity. Lord, receive all the glory. Let me give you all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, Pillar Church. Hey, baby. <laughs> Pastor Canaan here. Man, go ahead and open in your copy of God's Word to the book of Galatians. We're going to continue in our series in the book of Galatians. We're in chapter 5 this morning, starting chapter 5. Not too long ago, uh, there was this story of a young businessman. You may have heard it. A young businessman came from a foreign country, and he moved to the United States. And like most people who move here, they're in hopes of finding, capturing, and living that American dream. And so he comes here before his family to start new work. And upon his arrival here in America, he had a day or two to kill. And so he decides to, to take uh, travel around the Los Angeles area to see the sights, kind of get the lay of the land for himself and for his business ventures. And as he saw the architecture and the commerce of the city, he was amazed at what he saw, particularly coming from the country he was from, seeing new things filling his phone up with pictures and his belly with street hot dogs and stuff, he quickly lost track of time. And he began to look at his watch, and his heart began to sink as he looked at his watch. His watch read 8.50 p.m. He began to sweat. His disposition went from freedom and joy to fear. 
He had traveled at least 30 minutes from his hotel, and no matter how hard he tried, there's no way that he would make it back to his hotel by 9 p.m. You may be thinking, what's the significance of that? Well, that man comes from a country where there's a military-enforced curfew. And if he didn't make it back in time in his home, he would suffer arrest and persecution from his government. What the young man didn't realize is that the laws of his previous country didn't apply to him in the United States. So long as he remained on American soil in pursuit of some American citizenship, he was free to live by American laws, which meant there were no curfew for him anymore. Although he was physically free in this country, there was to some degree still a, a bit of mental bondage from his previous country that he didn't know he was free from. The residue from the old regime passed over from there to where he is now. Bound by a past reality that no longer had any right to him since he was now under a new regime. And some of you, beloved, and, some, and I'm including myself in that, we're living in the same reality as that man. Some of you in this room are bound by a past that no longer has a right to claim you. And that's real. Think about that. You're bound by a past that is literally hindering you today. And it has no right to claim you anymore. Some of you had a past trauma that still haunts you to this day. And it wakes you up like a dog barking in the middle of the night. Some of you were called a particular name in your youth, and it's literally changed the course of your life for the worst. Some of you were called fat. You were called ugly. You were called stupid. And because you were called stupid, you pursued education with everything you had, but your motive was to prove some Joe Schmo wrong. You were called fat, and so you became a fitness guru, but you're still not satisfied with your body. You were called ugly, and so you, you mound yourself with anything and everything that would give you an appearance of beauty in that person's sight. Beloved, you're bound still, if that's you. How do I know that's you? That's me. Stupid was the thing I was called. And I vowed from that day forward that nobody would ever have the ability to call me that again. And I realized all my striving for academic excellence was tearing me to shreds. It wasn't filling my soul. And it's because I was trying to live satisfied with the chains around my ankles and my wrists. And that's some of y'all this morning, bound. Freedom is what we need, beloved. If you identify, and this is hard to do, but if you take time in the evening maybe to think this through, if you identify more with your ailment than your healing, you're bound. If you identify more with your bondage than your liberator, you're bound. The Christians in the churches of Galatia are being misled to believe that in order to gain freedom, they have to embrace being bound. It's kind of like a credit card company. They sell you freedom on the commercial. 
And they put the car on the side of the mountain, the, 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 that new Audi, on the side of the mountain, whizzing by American Express. Looks like freedom until that bill show up. It's like those predatory lenders, payday loans, and these other things out on our blocks in our neighborhoods that say we can get you out of the bind, and they do, but it's a prisoner exchange. You're going from one person's shackles to them, never receiving freedom. These false teachers are teaching that the way to freedom, the way to joy, the way to righteousness, the way to God is all achieved, this is what they're teaching, by being bound by the law of Moses and by circumcision. They're saying the way to be free is to bind yourself to the old covenant. But that's not the way you're free, beloved. What they and we need to realize is that spiritual chains are broken by the hammer of proper identity and belonging. I'm going to say that again. Listen, spiritual chains are broken with the hammer of proper identity and proper belonging. That's how chains break. When the recognition of who you are and to whom you belong sets you free from the things that never should have claimed to you anymore. But until we recognize and walk in those things, we stay shackled, we stay tethered to that word or that thing or even, beloved, that covenant that is holding you, hurting you. Whose regime are you under? Think about this for real. With whom or with what do you identify and belong? We all identify as something. We all belong to something. No one's a renegade. As a result of your identity and your belonging, are you truly free? Or are you lying to yourself and trying to glory in your chains? That's what some of us do. Oh, this is just how I am. Nah, B, you don't got to live like that. I've been like this since a little youth. You ever been bound so long, you don't even you don't feel the chains no more? Paul's first exhortation to them and to us is to stand firm in the freedom we have in Christ, to glory in our liberator, and to not go back to identifying with, thus reapplying the yoke of their former bondage, whether that be past trauma or the yoke of the Old Testament law covenant. Beloved, look what it says in Galatians 5.1. For freedom... Christ set us free. Stand firm then and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Beloved, we read that. Don't read it quickly. He's emphasizing for freedom. Christ has set you free. He says the positive of this verse is to stand firm in the freedom that Christ purchased for you. The negative of the verse is don't go back to the yoke of bondage that he freed you from. Don't know what a yoke is? A yoke is a large piece of wood used to harness and control oxen as they work a field. 
A yoke is built in such a way as to keep the oxen from ever escaping. The weight of a yoke inevitably keeps the oxen from being able to stand erect. The word picture Jesus uses is amazing. Because yokes never let you experience freedom. Yokes never let you stand firm. Yokes continually make you work for an endless harvest. Yokes are hard. Yokes are heavy. Yokes ain't godly. Jesus says, well, my, bur- my burden is light. And comp- what? Compared to that? What are we talking about here? You're freeing me, Jesus is telling us. Beloved, if just real quick, if you're having trouble standing, it's because you're under a yoke. And I want you to think, what's the name of your yoke? I'll put it another way. What's the name of the sin that easily besets you? That you feel like you cannot gain freedom from? What's the, the hamster wheel that you're running on that makes you think this is how you please God? Yokes. Name your yoke. Don't ignore it. Don't pretend it's going to get better later. Weight on your shoulders gets heavier over time. Then you get used to just living hunched over. There are some peoples, some of us even, who identify more with our yoke than we do with our freedom. There are some peoples who identify more with their curses than they do with their blessings. There are some who think that they'll gain eternal favor with God by adhering to laws, statutes, and commandments of a previous covenant that no longer applies to those who have faith in Christ. God's good law has become a yoke of bondage for them. Paul is telling the Galatian Christians and us today that we have freedom, favor, and access to God in and through the person of Jesus Christ alone. And that we are free in regards to some mandated method of gaining God's approval. We gain it through faith in the Son who has pleased the Heavenly Father on our behalf. Beloved, we are free from a law-based method of attaining God's acceptance and freedom. And subsequently, we are free from the bondage of sin. They're connected. Romans 6.14. For sin will not rule over you. Why? Because you're no longer under law. If you are not under law, sin will no longer rule over you. They're connected. Just like the foreign businessman, though. We who have placed our faith in Christ are now under a new regime. Beloved, we are under a new covenant, a new relationship, a relationship that surely has stipulations, a relationship that surely has laws and commands from our our God to his people but a relationship that doesn't base God's satisfaction in you off of those laws or commands. 
we adhere to those laws and commands as a result of God's love poured out into our soul. And now we can't help but say, Lord, I want to glorify you in every way. And sin hurts me like it hurts you. The law no longer rules over you. Sin no longer rules over you. Christ alone is your Lord and liberator because he fulfilled the law and he conquered sin. Beloved, if you've entrusted your life to Jesus, know this, you are now under a new regime. If you're coming from a legalistic worldview, in Christ you're in a new regime. If you're coming just from the block, in Christ you're a new regime. If you believe that the Old Testament, the Old Covenant law was the means by which you get to have access to God, no, beloved, a new regime. We just took the, the, the bread and the, and, the, and the wine, and what did he say about his own blood? This is the blood of the new covenant, new relational disposition between you and me. The trauma of our past doesn't define you anymore. That detrimental formative word that they called you, beloved, hear me, it doesn't define you anymore because you've been redeemed, bought with a price, loved and adopted as sons and daughters of the Most High. Now, I want to just do this thing. I don't do this quick, but I want to give you something called an imperfect method means by which you can experience spiritual freedom from this type of bondage. At the end of it, it's all the same thing. Place your hope and trust in Christ and surrender all to him. It's all the same. But some of us don't know how to get to that, where it's just like, okay, Lord, take it. So if you are experiencing spiritual bondage, first thing that you, that you can do to help yourself, find scripture that highlight who God is. Always start with God. In every circumstance, in every situation, in every wall that is built. Don't start with looking at you, beloved. Wrong place. Start at him. Who is he? Look at, he, look at the power, the majesty of God. Look at what Psalm 140, there's one verse you can use. The Lord is great, vast in power. What does that mean? Whatever you're going through, he's great and he got more power, right? Not only is he great and he's powerful, his understanding is infinite. He knows what's up. He gets me. And then look what he does. The Lord helps the oppressed, the bound, the ones who are hurting. This is why you look to him first. You don't, because if you look to yourself first, you try to tinker with it, try to figure out ways to get out of this mug. And then you just get yourself in other chains. Quicksand. When you look to him first, he's great. He's powerful. He understands and he frees people like me. That's what he does. So start with looking for, memorizing, writing down, writing them down and reading it over and over again. Verses that extol the power of the God you serve. Then you can look, find, highlight verses from what that God has said about who you are. Because so long as you think you are distant from that God, you'll be hopeless. Look what the scripture says about you. See what great love the Father has given, that we should be called children, and that we are. You have a struggling with your worth, 
struggling with how you look, how you feel. Just like I told these kids, there's nothing you can do to stop being a child of God by faith, by grace through faith in Christ. Nothing you can do. You will forever be a beloved son or daughter of the Most High, all-powerful God who understands you. That means you can be like, Daddy, I need you. You can cry in his arms. He's never going to leave you, never going to forsake you. Always there. It's amazing. And then, beloved, begin to pray the implications of those verses. As you read them, if he's powerful and I'm a child, he'll protect me. He understands his child, which means I can be transparent with him. I can cry. Lord, I got no fight left. You can say that to him. He knows what's up. Understanding is infinite. So start thinking and praying through the implications of those verses and begin to share your struggle with God. Because believe it or not, we have this weird gene in our biome that causes us to act to hide our sin, even from God. You act like you good in front of everybody, including him. How do I know? You don't go to him with it. You don't beg God to relieve you from it. When children know you have the power to buy them McDonald's, what do they do? Daddy, 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 daddy. No, baby, what happens tomorrow? Daddy? Daddy, McDonald's? No, why? They know you got the means, you got the ends. You can get them a happy meal. They know you can. They believe you can, and they think you might. But we sit here in bondage and in change, and we're like, God, if you will, you free us? I don't know. Let's see if he's going to do it. I don't know. Yes, he has power to do it. Yes, you're his beloved child. He desires your freedom. Call to him. Cry to him. Surrender to him. He don't want you in chains. Who wants their children bound? He wants you free. Oh, this is key. If you don't believe it, ask him to help you believe. Because that's real. You can say it all you want, but if we don't actually believe it, and you know what we need is, my man RJ was hitting me the other day, he came over to crib. He's like, oh, we need a safe space where we can really say what's really in here. And the reality is, it's hard for some of us to actually believe in seasons, right? I don't know if I believe, today I'm struggling. Then we pray, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. Because it's, it's kind of Debo right now. That's okay, God is not afraid of where you are. You can go to him with that. Begin to ask him to loosen the yoke from your neck. And as you're actively recalling and remembering his power and his understanding, begin to ask him, and this is key, begin to ask him to help you take your hands off of the situation. So long as your hands are on it, you're going to mess it up. Ask him to help you, and that looks different. And, and, and this is how it looks in some of the scriptures. The, some of the saints began to pray prayers of submission. That's how they took their hands off. Let me give you an example from our Lord Jesus himself prayers of submission. Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Implication. I know you can take it away. Right? He said, if you're willing, which means you can, but will you? And then look what he says. Nevertheless, let me take my hands up off this. This Jesus communicating his earthly will. I don't want to go to this cross. It's going to hurt, pain, anguish. Don't want that. If you are willing Take this away. However, let me submit, take my hands up off this. Father, your will be done. I'll give you an example who's not Jesus. That'll help you. The Hebrew boys. 
Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. If the God we serve exists, he's talking to them, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. Implication, I know my God got the strength. But even if he does not, what's that? Taking my hands off it. That's a scary, <laughs> oh, that's scary to think. They're facing an inferno, literal, like fire. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you as king to know we will not serve your gods. What's he saying? I ain't going under the yoke. Y'all see the thing? You know, the whole scripture talk about, all talking about Christ everywhere. So we ain't going under the yoke. We're not serving your gods or worship this golden statue that you done set up. Take your hands off. That's what you do in the immediate. But some of us think that chains fall off fast. Sometimes they do. Oftentimes they don't. And this is when you have to begin, the next thing, beginning a regiment of Daily intake of God's word. Prayer and fasting over an extended season. Why do you have to intake a daily regimen of this? Jesus said, if you continue in my word, you are really disciples of mine. You will then know the truth. And what's the truth going to do? Set you free. because it's going to recalibrate who you think you are and who you think you belong to. It's that hammer busting the chains. Damn. Daily busting the chains, beloved. If you are bound by sin, spiritually entangled, apply the principles. They're all the same. Go and trust in Jesus hard. But here's some practical steps of how we can walk that. If that's not you, you're bound by something else. Maybe you're bound by this old covenant law that's told, that you've interpreted in a way that you're going to gain access to God through it. Then you need to apply a different verse, perhaps. Galatians 4.15. It says, when the time came to completion, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under. Remember, we looked at those types of words last week. Those words of under and such, right? Enslaved to, born under the law. What did he do? To redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Freedom. Beloved, so long as your faith is in Jesus Christ, freedom and adoption is yours because you are under a new regime, new law, new circumstances, no longer under the old. It's even everyday practical, beloved. I, I was, I'm watching the news, and I'm sure you watch the news. There's an American WNBA player named Brittany Grinder who's under the laws of another regime. Whatever rights she had here are irrelevant now because she is now theirs. It's the power of where you belong. It can bind you or it can free you. The scripture says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now in verse 2, 
that we're going to look at. We're going to verse 6. In verse 2, Paul is going to let us know that the issue of freedom and justification, do you guys remember what justification is? To be declared righteous, right. In order to be free and declared righteous, and I would say that's even a synonym with being an adopted child of God, in order to, to gain those, it's not an either-or situation. That's what he's going to highlight. It's not, e it's, I mean, it is, I'm sorry, it is an either-or situation. Forgive me. Either you're going to trust God by leaning on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, or you're going to trust yourself to be able to earn freedom and justification. And Paul's going to make it clear that it's not, don't trust in you. And then he's going to say, it's, it's also not a combination of you and Jesus. Okay, it's not that. That's not how we gain right standing with God. I'm going to give you some terms if you're, if you're like me and you like this kind of theological stuff, right? There's something called impartation and there's something called imputation. Impartation is a combination of your righteousness plus Jesus' righteousness equals justification, equals salvation, equals adoption as a child of God. That's impartation. Beloved, that's heresy. Scripture says your righteousness is filthy. Filthy before me. Imputation is you subtracted, put on the shoulders of Christ, Christ's righteousness taken, added to you. All his righteousness is all you have. That equals acceptance before God. It's not a combination of I'm going to do good, he's going to fill up the rest. Bad math. It's a drop of poison in a cup of water. No good anymore. He says this is an oil and water situation. And he says it with the emphatically here. Take note. You see that? I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourselves circumcised, remember that was the thing. You, gotta be, you can't follow Christ until you get circumcised. If you get circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. If you try to add any righteousness to what Christ has done, you completely forfeited Jesus. That's what he's saying. That part that you were trusting in doesn't apply now. It's a cup of water with a drop of oil. It doesn't mix anymore. Paul is saying that if you try to add anything to the work of Christ in order to be free, in order, in order to be declared righteous before God, you forfeit Christ totally. Beloved, it's like those of you who try to grill a steak and you keep messing with it. You're going to mess it up. Let the grill do its job. Season the steak, plop it on the hot grill, close the lid, back up off that mug. Let the grill do its work. Doesn't need your help. And please, beloved, don't add A1 sauce to the steak. <laughs> Adding that filthy nastiness upon the glories is no bueno. Don't do it. So Paul says, he said, I don't set aside the grace of God. Trying to earn it yourself sets it aside. He said, I ain't setting aside the grace of God. For if righteousness came through the law, then Christ died for no reason. Translation, if you could earn it, you didn't need Jesus. But God sent Jesus, which means you needed him. Implication, you couldn't have earned it. But that's exactly what these false teachers are teaching. This is what they're saying. Kara, shout out. Thanks for putting this on there. I didn't highlight it, but thank you. 
The false teachers are saying that Jesus plus circumcision and law equals justification and freedom. Paul is saying, no, Jesus plus anything equals damnation. The only right equation is Jesus plus nothing. Trusting in Jesus and nothing else. Putting all your soul and heart and love into the person of Jesus and letting him do his work. He'll accomplish a beauty when he's done. He who started a good work in you is able and competent to perfect a good work in you. As soon as you put your hands on it, messed it up. Praise God he's able to fix our messes. Look at Acts 13, 38 and 39 says, this verse is amazing. Therefore, let it be known to you, brothers and sisters, that through this man, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. Now look at verse 39, it hits. Everyone who believes is justified. You see that? They're justified through him from everything that you could not be justified from the law of Moses. Jesus is what you need. He's the means of your being made right with God. Now, if you chose not to rest in Jesus alone, be prepared for an impossible task, beloved. If you chose not to trust in Jesus alone and to add your good works onto how God loves you, he loves me because I, anything, be prepared for an impossible task. Look at Paul continues in Galatians 5. He says, take note, I, Paul, am telling you that if you get yourself circumcised, Christ will not benefit you at all. Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised, uh, circumcised that he is obligated to do the whole law. You want to live by the law? You're going to go ahead and die by the law. And don't nobody live by the law, so everybody doing a whole lot of dying. It's an impossible task. You know what this means, beloved? It means you got one shot. We're going to let Scripture interpret Scripture. Look what James says about the law. For everyone who keeps the entire law and stumbles at yet one point is guilty of breaking it all. You got one chance, and it's over for you. You lost that chance when you were seven years old. Mama told you to clean your room. You said, it's over for you. That's it. But in Christ, let it not be so. It says, for Christ is the end of the law for those, end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Since Moses writes about the righteousness that is from the law, the one who does these things will live by those things. The law was not built to justify you. The law, in part, was a tool in order to illuminate your sin. You see, a proper use of the law drives you to the Savior. An improper use of the law causes you to minimize his sacrifice for you. When you add yourself to what he's done because of some law, some ability, some works, you've misapplied. The scripture says, so then the law is holy and good. And the commandment is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. But sin, remember they're connected. Sin, in order to be recognized as sin, 
was producing death in me through what is good so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. The law is ripping the lid off of your sensibilities. Oh, I'm just a good guy. Then you look at the law. Oh, I've, I sin. I'm, a, I'm rotten. I need a savior drives you to Christ. But this is how they're using the law, and this is what it's resulting in. You who are trying to be justified by the law, Galatians 5.4, are alienated from Christ. And you have fallen from grace. That word is, that, that sentence is paradoxical. Fallen from grace. Grace is unmerited favor. And yet it's separated from you somehow as if you could lose it. But you never earn grace. It's almost as if Paul is trying to highlight the, the detrimental realities of trusting in your own by, by sharing something that's even possibly doesn't even make sense in a linear fashion. You've fallen from grace. It's like when somebody falls up the stairs. Right? You know what they're saying, but it's not literal. It's like, how you trip like that? It's like, man, you, you're alienated from Christ. You've fallen from grace because you trusted in yourself. Grace not applied. Work supplied. Beloved, instead of trusting in yourself, knowing that you have this yoke on your back, I pray, Philippians 3.9, that we be found in him. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look what it says. This is what I want for you. This is what I want for me. That we be found in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own from the law. That's not what I want. That's not what you want. But one that is through Faith in Christ. The righteousness from God is based on faith. And I praise God that it's not based on my works. Because I'm trash, Doc. And I don't know if anybody ever told you, but I don't know that you're too far from me. But by the grace of God. If it was up to you, you're hopeless. Praise God. Don't fight to stay under the yoke. Get that mug up. It's not up to me. Praise God, it's not up to me. I'm free now. Beloved, your chains of oppression are broken with the hammer of your identity in Christ. Those who have placed our faith in Jesus, we eagerly await through the Spirit, by faith, the hope of righteousness. We'll expound that a little more next week. But I want you to hear this. All our deepest yearnings of the soul are found in Jesus Christ alone. The substance you need to sustain that hope is found in Jesus Christ alone alone. You hear me, beloved? You're all our righteousness before God comes from Jesus Christ alone. Your freedom from the bondage that you're in, name the yoke, the law, the things that are inappropriate things for your eyes, pride, anger, that freedom comes from Jesus Christ alone. All our liberation from the shackles that oppress and terrorize our minds comes from Jesus Christ 
alone. Our identity and worth are highlighted not by our lineage, not by our being circumcised, not by us obeying any kind of protocols. No, our identity is highlighted in the person of Jesus Christ alone. That's who you need. If I told you you need anybody else, please leave this place. You need the person of Jesus. That's who you need. For in Christ Jesus, in him, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accomplishes anything. What matters is faith. Manifested, working through love. We'll look at that a little bit more next week. Father, thank you so much for giving us the blessed opportunity to consider our freedom that we are free from the law. We are free from the sins that we actively and purposefully bind ourselves to because we're slaves to our temptations. We're slaves to our belly. We want to satisfy an urge. And so we willingly bind ourselves. And then before you know it, beloved, We don't want to satisfy the urge, but the urge got us. But in Christ Jesus, we can experience freedom of a profound nature. And I confess, Lord, I go in and out of that freedom. I know I have it cognitively, but oftentimes I don't live it because I need help with my belief in that freedom. And the power you've given me over that because I'm in you. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do these things. I don't have to X, Y, Z. Lord, I repent. And I said, you help me to remember my freedom in you. Nothing else can have me. I'm in a new regime. The kingdom of light. The Lord of glory is here. He's come. And he's liberated the captives. And Lord, I am a lowly captive, past tense, who for some reason keeps going back to the chains. And so want so many of my people. But if we would but look at Christ and encourage one another to look at Christ and don't settle for the sin within ourselves or in each other, but love each other to holiness Repent to holiness. Confess ourselves to holiness. Depend on you towards holiness. Just maybe we'll experience freedom. And that freedom will taste so good. Help me and my beloved people to experience freedom. Help us to live in that freedom. Lord, you are worthy. And we give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.